0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Dr. Demiso A Josie with the Empowerment Perspective Group. Coming up on this episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, if you've ever thought about opening up your own school or even starting your own business, this is the podcast for you. I sit down with the owner of Reed Preschool, Ms. Lisa Saitels. Listen as we talk about business, how to run your own school, and what motivated her to do so. This is the Empowerment Perspective.
1: There's been times, and this is one of them, where like deep in your gut, you sort of reach a point that's like almost rock bottom and you feel like devastated and you gotta like, you know, pick yourself back up. And it's like a, this crushing feeling. But like, those are the times where I found that I dig really deep and I ask myself like, well, what do I really want? Am I gonna go after it or not? Am I gonna... um you know, let anything stop me. And my answer is no, I'm not.
0: All right, Lisa tells. welcome to the show. I'm glad that you are here. Um, I'm going to have to say this, though. Your husband, Sam, who's on season five, kind of set the bar high for you. So we got to do better numbers than, than he did. You, you think we can do that tonight?
1: I, I will absolutely try my best. He does set the bar high, as do you. You guys both have your own podcast. I'm just a guest, so <laughs> but, uh, I have plans to do you guys proud.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's just jump right into it. Um, you have your own school, uh, Reed, is it Reed Academy or Reed Elementary? What, what's the name? Uh,
1: Reed Preschool. Reed Preschool.
0: Okay, and that's located where?
1: The Reed Preschool is in Hamilton, New Jersey, um, and it's also associated with Camp Tuscaloosa, a summer camp.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about that in the beginnings of why you and your husband decided to open up this school in the first place.
1: Okay. So when we were living in New York City, we were both teaching um, as teachers and I was a director at my side of the school and we were very passionate about what we were doing. And I always had in my head that I wanted to do something more like move higher up and but keep doing what I was doing. Um, But I didn't really know how at the time. And then um, it's sort of a funny and strange and long story, but um, we ended up moving outside of uh, the city um, just to give our kids more space and uh, thinking that we would get a job closer to our house at that point. But it just wasn't comparable to the job that we had in the city. So, um, but there was one place we sent out resumes to, and they called us in for an interview, and they asked us ultimately if we wanted to buy their school, and we were sort of in shock. We were like, we weren't sure if they were joking or not, so we didn't think too much about it, um, but three weeks went by after that interview, and they ended up, Uh, emailing us and saying like have you thought about it and I turned to Sam I still remember we were driving in the car and I said you're not going to believe this like they're serious and so from there I was like well let's like run it by other people see what they think and everybody we ran it by said absolutely you guys would be amazing so we went with it we started heading in that direction like we went through uh, it was basically a year-long process um but it turned out like some of the information um, they want being upfront about, um, it seemed like their involvement wasn't doing great. And so we ultimately um, had to back out of that deal and we had actually quit our jobs a week before we found that out. <laughs> so we asked for our jobs back and we got them um and then we were pretty devastated i mean you can imagine we were working for a year towards this goal and we were super passionate about it i would come home and i would work long hours after my job and commuting mm-hmm. the four hours a day that we were commuting and and to lose that like it was devastating mm-hmm. um but we decided like why should we stop um it seems sort of crazy to think that there's schools for sale it just seems like a concept that's (laughs) foreign to everybody so um but this time we decided we'll go through a broker and there's actually a broker for schools for sale Mm. so we were like well let's look up the whole east coast you know so we ended up coming across this school um, they don't really say the location or anything about it, except you know some facts about the school because it's sort of confidential. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we did discover where it was on our own, and ultimately set up um, you know an interview with the former owners. And I and we had interviewed and seen other schools before this, like maybe four, and they just they just didn't feel like schools to me. Mm-hmm. So when I walked through the, the door into read preschool that day when we came to check it out, I just felt overwhelmed with happiness because <laughs> I, I was like, this feels like a school. <laughs> this has passion in it, this has love in it. And I immediately fell in love and I said, this is it. You know, We we found the school. And so we went through basically another year long process to end up here. Mm-hmm. And because the other the first um school had fallen through, I was just nervous the whole time. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna lose it, something's gonna happen, my dream's gonna be crushed, you know, but I I was resilient in the end. I persevered in the end. I took all the classes I had to take to take over both Reed and Camp. Mm-hmm. You basically have to, you know, get certified in BB guns and archery and lifeguarding and mm-hmm. um all all the other uh, things like light licensing for schools and pretty much everything else you can possibly imagine. And uh, I would just do it on the weekends
0: sure. um,
1: and Sam and I would get it done. And then uh, I still remember the day we were sitting at the table ready to sign off that the school was ours. And it was my birthday. Of all days, <laughs> it was my birthday. And I said, this is the best present I could ever have asked
0: for, right. so.
1: Sort of like the shortened version of a long story of how we got to be in Hamilton.
0: Well, let's talk about, because I'm hearing a lot of when I talk to a lot of people they think that success is like a linear process. Like you think just because you have a goal and you set out to do it and it's just supposed to be you work hard and you get there. Let's talk about those setbacks and and what did it do to you mentally? And why didn't you give up and quit? Cuz there's a lot of people that are really really close to getting to their their goal and and being super successful, but then they quit. What was it inside of you that kind of kept you pushing along and you know this deal fell through and this didn't happen and you just kept going?
1: Yes, I mean, that's definitely actually something I try to teach my kids because Sam and I have faced obstacles in that way, over the last 10 years. Um, But one is my passion and Sam's passion for what we wanted like, we had this dream we wanted to be like a major part of children's lives and and making impacts in the community. And like that held strong, the it's after we lost the first school. I. I'm gonna be honest, I cried my eyes out for three days. I don't think I could even pull myself out of bed or the house, I was just devastated. Um, But I just remember this conversation, I got on the phone with my mom and I was just explaining to her, like, I just feel so sad about this, like, and I would definitely say behind some of it is a support team. And she said, well, why should we stop looking? And she said, there is another school out there and we'll find it. And at that time I thought she must be crazy. Like, how can she think that? Like, how can we find another school for sale? But she was right. And not only was there like another school for sale, it was an amazing one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was actually not far from where we've lived for the last 10 years. You know, I was prepared to move to Florida, you know? But, you know, we found it in New Jersey and we were living in uh, New York and New Jersey before this. So it was it was actually um, amazing. Mm -hmm. But there's been times and this is one of them where like deep in your gut, you sort of reach a point that's like almost rock bottom and you feel like devastated and you got to like, you know, pick yourself back up. And it's like this crushing feeling But like, those are the times where I found that I dig really deep and I asked myself like, well, what do I really want? Am I going to go after it or not? Am I going to, you know, let anything stop me? And my answer is no, I'm not. I'm going to keep going. And there was a ton of obstacles. I mean, it took two years to arrive at this point and a ton of obstacles to overcome um, of all types. And, um, each one, like, I just kept thinking of the future. Like I would imagine it in my head and, and think I could be here and I would feel like this impatience inside of me to get there. And I would sort of fuel my energy with like, uh, optimism, you know, like I'm going to get there. I'm going to reach that point. Uh, I'm not going to let anything stop me. And, uh, I'm just going to keep doing it and, and hope for the best, mm-hmm. um, so I think like, it just takes like a real inner strength and, and a patience like no other. Mm. Um, like one that I've pulled on many times over um, the last six years here and that I'm still working on now too, <laughs> <laughs> because we're starting other processes here and it just, everything takes so long. There's always obstacles. So it, it's, it's just something I have to keep pulling on. And that's why I want my kids to know that like a once in a lifetime thing where like you go through something difficult and then you pull yourself out. like and then you get to your goal. It could be multiple times. like if if you set your standard high to reach multiple goals, then you sort of put yourself in the position to uh, you know have to get through those obstacles and and get there. you yeah. know?
0: It sounds like your self-talk was, a, it was extremely powerful and and extremely healthy. Um, in the previous podcast, uh, we had a, a lady on from Australia, uh, shout out to Stacey, and we talked about non-negotiables. Going through this process, I don't know if you and Sam have non-negotiables when it comes to business or, or even in personal life. There are certain things where there's absolutely no way around this. This is what this non-negotiable is for us. Um, and in terms of business, I guess we could say, um, did you have any non-negotiables that you just would not bend on?
1: um well we definitely weren't gonna bend on and you're talking about like in the process of getting here Yeah. okay definitely weren't gonna bend on this the school that we were looking for because like i said there were schools that we um toured and there was just like no passion in those schools and it was like the owner was just like tired of being there and the school was sort of dying and and like the staff was unmotivated and and you know, I was, you know, I I would definitely love to pull a school out of that, but at the same time, I wanted to get into a place in, in a community that um, loved the school and and where we could like come in and like just make our impact from day one because education was important, and um, the families, you know, were already a part of it, like involved and cared mm-hmm. and. Um, so that was definitely a non-negotiable. Um, I was willing to like uh, negotiate on other things. Like I said, the location, um, I definitely prefer being in New Jersey and I'm glad I got that. But um, if Bush came to shove, like Sam and I had talked that we would have you know, gone anywhere basically. Um, let's see, other non-negotiables. Um, We did not want to give up our style of teaching. Um, We wanted to be able to maintain that while being flexible to the teachers that were here already um, or with us. Like, for instance, we're Montessori trained, Mm. but that's like, you know, a whole process. So we didn't come here expecting everybody to teach Montessori style. So we adjusted our curriculum to maintain the academic component and the inherent sense of it and, um, you know, the life skills and everything like that. And, um, you know, have the staff join us in that while maintaining what they knew how to do as well. And we do give a lot of flexibility to them. We are very supportive of um, teachers being creative and developing curriculum with us. Um, that's important. Um, and we strongly believe in that. So, um, I think really the only like non-negotiable was not wanting to give up like what was inherently important to us about teaching children mm-hmm. and not give up um, uh, what kind of school we really wanted to have.
0: Sure. So now, a lot of people say that family and business doesn't mix somehow. You- <laughs> Sam have made a success story out of out of you know your your you made a success out of your story and you know, things of that nature. Um, is it difficult? Now I know yeah. Sam a little bit down there. You know that's my guy. Yeah. But it's difficult to manage uh, the the business side and the family side. And you know I know for me I have people that were close to me and you trying to do the empowerment perspective thing. And it was my passion, but it wasn't necessarily their passion. And the kind of things kind of just unraveled from there. Um, how has that journey been in terms of, of being a family and running a business?
1: So what's interesting is that I feel we're sort of maybe the odd couple out in the sense that Sam and I get along really well. And we're sort of like, he likes to say, we're sort of yin and yang. So, um, there's parts of the business I handle that he'll never touch such as paperwork <laughs> <laughs> and- Parts of the business that he'll do that I don't mind chipping in, but usually he'll be doing it like um, the outdoor work. But like I said, like I I've mulched the entire yard before. I've uh, I, I do not hesitate to do physical labor. I power wash, um, but just because of time management, he'll do more outdoor stuff, and I'll do the paperwork. Um, but we both have a passion and an agreed upon vision for the school um, and the direction we always want to head. And we sort of bounce ideas off of each other all the time. And that goes pretty awesome because he'll give me an idea and he'll be like, Lisa, what do you think of this? And I'll think about it for a minute. And I'll be like, I think that's an awesome idea. Like, I remember when he asked me, what do you think if I saw at the Camp Tuscaloosa podcast? And I was like, that would be pretty awesome. I think that would be great. And there's been times where I'll be like Sam, like, what do you think if we do this? And that's, in fact, like um, when the pandemic hit, and I said to him, I don't want the kids to stop learning. Like, I just they have to keep having some kind of resource. And so I said, what do you, what do you think if we create something? And that's where Blueberry Kids came from, the children show that we uh, produced during the pandemic. And and we both get so involved in them, so passionate about what we're doing. We, we like each other's ideas. Um, so we we generally, because we're yin and yang, but we have this tendency to like just um, support each other. We we get along really well. I still remember when we were commuting two hours each way in New York City and people would ask us, I, I would be divorced from my significant other if we were commuting four hours a day in one car. And, I, and Sam and I would always be like, why i mean we don't mind it like we right. listen to you we we listen to like podcasts and the, like the only thing we minded was our son feeling like he was like in in a little prison cell in his car seat for four hours that bothered us but other than that we were like why we get time together like it's okay right. um so that's fine the family part um is fine too like in the sense of my kids like i it's funny i try to ask them what do you think about living at a school in a camp, but they're not really old enough to answer that question because they don't understand like, well, what's it like not to live at a school in exactly. a camp? like for them, it's through normal, and like some parents have been like, "Gosh, your kids are lucky. they have like an everyday play date, and you know they they have you know all this property and a playground and this and that, and it's true they're like they're very lucky and I think when they're older, they're going to really realize like how special it is, what what they had. But right now they're just like living it and it's to them, it's their norm. There's nothing out of the ordinary about it. Um, So it's been, um, you know, quite the journey here and it's just something that works really well. I feel lucky that I have a partner that, um, you know, we always just seem to get along on things and, and we have an equally passionate vision for Mm -hmm. what we want for the the kids the town the community um so I mean I think overall it goes well
0: all right so if there's someone that's interested in in creating their own school what's one piece of advice you would give them that kind of would I guess the the number one thing that you learned one piece of advice that you would give them along their journey
1: okay so I mean, the number one piece of advice is you have to be willing to go with the flow because there's a lot of stuff that happens. It can be great things. It can be challenging things. Um, like sometimes I felt like in the first couple of years, every th- time I turned around, like something would break. Like I remember the the little uh, wading pool. It's not little, but it's uh, two feet deep. I just remember like opening it after... Um, Uh, the winter and it was all crumbled and we that was the first year we were offering swimming lessons and suddenly and camp was like two weeks out and I thought to myself oh boy I can't offer swimming lessons for the little little guys without a pool so like I acted super quick I like talked to the pool people I said like we're small business owners like you help they they had a mile-long backlog. But as soon as I said, like we're small business owners, like you, please, please help, they got it done. And there we opened as if nothing had ever happened and it was done. So like there's like things like that where you turn around and you just gotta be prepared um, as a school owner to just to go with ups and downs and, and deal with them and stay and say positive. Um, and a lot of these ups and downs come from regulations, um, which have become increasingly more severe over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can, it's, it can sort of get to the point where you almost feel like, uh, the government is taking over your business, mm-hmm. um, to a certain degree. And so you have to just like, um, be prepared to like weather that and, uh, and and put in the the time and commitment it takes because um there's there's a lot of people out there that say to Sam and I gosh you guys make it look easy and i i mean that is a high compliment because <laughs> behind the scenes it is it is it has like it's sometimes it has its easy days but it is a lot of work it's a lot of commitment it's a lot of determination it's fueled by passion and, um, you just gotta you gotta have the drive and, sure. and the resilience um, and and definitely the commitment and passion if you if you don't have that, you're not gonna weather the different obstacles that come your way. and um and and you gotta the other thing I would say is you gotta be willing to adapt mm-hmm. because, like it or not, times change, things happen. Um, but adaptation can come in like, it can be sort of devastating at the time to think well what am I going to do, but it can also bring something positive out of it. Um, Like when we adapted to take the older kids in 2020, to help out the families that were working and that that was like a nice positive adaptation where we were able to help uh, working families and and kids who uh, needed to be in person so um, there's definitely positive things like the, the recent announcement of uh, public Um That's another thing where we're, we're going to have to adapt. But my husband and I are strong and we will do it. Mm-hmm. We, we have uh, plans in the making.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Any business owner that's out there, I mean, you really do have to be in tune with the times and the the shift of the the market and things of that nature. So it's definitely not just school owners, but if you're obviously out there, small business owners, um, even with the public perspective, we had to learn how to shift, even if it was going from, we like to be in front of people in person, and we had to shift to, uh, you know, online uh, podcasts and things of that nature. And you just got to be able to to make those adjustments and, and, and understanding what people need and giving them what they need within your capabilities. I feel like we could talk about this forever. And I know there was another topic that we wanted to talk about, but It is time for the segment called The Teacher's Lounge. Now, The Teacher's Lounge is a time where teachers will usually go and eat their lunch or eat somebody else's lunch or whatever the case may be and gossip and talk. So I have a game for you. I have three questions for you, and you have to choose between one or the other, and you have to tell me why you picked that thing. are Are you ready? Yes. All right. We'll start you off easy. Okay. Books or movies?
1: I would definitely say books. I don't I